Well, other than that, what are you keeping busy with? Uh, you know, probably some house projects, I think. Uh, as the warmer months with more daylight go away, I'd prefer to have a few things to focus on. Taking up some time if I'm going to stay indoors over the next couple months. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm the same way a lot. Uh, I enjoy the summer so much, so when faced with having to, like, predominantly be inside for long periods of time, I definitely welcome distractions that can keep me busy. What was that? Uh, Fan-fucking-tastic. You can hear that, too? Uh, yeah. I was hoping it wouldn't act up while we're recording. It started like a week or so ago. I think it's because of some of the work I'm doing in the basement. The basement? Yeah, I wanted to finally patch up and replace a few small sections of the drywall that, like, mounted or directly covering the stone block that okay. were already, I guess I'd say, aged when they when I bought the house. It's something I've been meaning to take care of since I moved in and finally just started to dive in and try it. Oh, right. Wait, so what's causing the noise then? Well, when I tore one part away from the wall, there was a hole, like a, a gap in the block. It's not huge, but big enough. The basement mm-hmm. doesn't have the best lighting, so I can't see it very well. I got a sort of looks like a space maybe behind the block that's gone, goes back a ways in the ground like a tunnel or some like something burrowed through. What? Okay, I'm with you. So I don't know if it's the exposed space causing some sort of weird airflow issues, which is causing the sound or like extra moisture coming from the hill that's affecting the pipes seriously fuck what is it now the hell was that i i don't know i can't deal with this as we're trying to record so let me go check on that before we get started i i will be right back oh man given what we're talking about tonight this is funny because brian doesn't know that that's what you're never supposed to say Ah! brian of Bry Guy and his super fiends. Snatching away hosting duties is your warlock of mystery, Josh Zorich. And joining me this week is our victim, Crying Brian Labick. Say hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. <laughs> Very good, Brian. Well, listeners, thank you for indulging me there very much. This is Josh, and this is something I have been looking forward to for at least a year, year and a half, maybe even two. Um, we are here for another episode of Never Seen That. Uh, and Brian is, as he likes to say, on the hot seat. I know it's very different being on this like this side of the microphone a little bit. At least, I, mean, I guess I'm always on this side of the microphone. But <laughs> to yeah, to this extent, I mean, there's definitely been some other episodes that you let us take the reins more on on steering 
things but uh yeah like this is really just entirely like you're the you're the focus you're the emphasis you're in the spotlight i know it's weird um well really uh quick remind uh viewers hey in case uh every episode could be someone's first episode so uh never seen that is uh, a segment that the group uh on on the show started what about a year and a half ago now year year and a half yeah, there's they're few and far between, but yeah, it's been a it's been going on for a while, yeah. Uh where we try to find films where either they're, you know, quite notable in nature. So, you know, in the past we've done The Goonies, um uh Bad Boys. Uh there's a hopeful future episode coming of uh Forrest Gump perhaps, which my <laughs> wife Sarah has never seen. She has agreed to it. We just got to do it. Exactly. It's all all about scheduling and timing. Um, but then there's other things that are just kind of for fun. Um, and this is the next chapter, uh, that I guess just kind of came out of like a devil's bargain that Brian and I made a while back, uh, in order to get him to watch some scary movies with us. I had first agreed to watch some fast and furious movies. If you uh, are a longtime listener of the show, you will have been, because you will have become well uh, familiar with my sentiments and comments on on the subject. You, it, it's completely understandable why we are both cr- procrastinating to get these done. <laughs> because the other, we like, I really want to show Josh Fast and Furious. He really wants to show me Cabin in the Woods. Neither one of us really want to sit down for the other <laughs> to watch said movie. So it's very difficult to get this going. That that is true. I feel like there's definitely been opportunity. Uh, it's been so. I did you realize this? It has been. Right now, actually, it's been, we'd have to check the dates. It's been exactly about a year since we did the first uh, Fast and Furious episodes, at least the first one, uh, along with uh, Zombieland. Right. That was yeah, la- we were, last year. we were doing Zombieland before Zombieland 2 came out. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, probably about, because that was November last year, right? Or something? Well, it would have been, like it would have been October, because Zombieland okay. was a, like a Halloween release. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know we fit in uh, one more Fast and Furious several months ago during the earlier stages of quarantine, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that 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 we shared with everybody, and uh, now it's taken us another six months to to get back. So I think you hit the nail the nail on the head that while we both enjoy our side of it, neither of us <laughs> has been exceedingly enthusiastic to yeah. to to share. I've had I've had very uh, specific. Uh, like criteria i guess to watch this movie it has to be during the day Mm -hmm. the lights have to be on (laughs) like we we have to be you know well lit Uh i have to be in in the presence of company because we talked about doing this during quarantine but i refuse to watch this by myself (laughs) at my house even with those other conditions met right so yeah we had to we had to wait till time we'd actually get together to do this Mm -hmm. and and that's that's finally happening now and uh so, so hopefully you guys will will have this for a, a halloween quarantine season to to enjoy um it's actually so bright a little piece of trivia as we get before we we get started here the film was actually shot and finished long before its release so it was officially finally released i want to say in like the early spring of 2012 but just like another Chris Hemsworth movie, yes, spoiler, Chris Hemsworth is in Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Hemsworth was also in a Red Dawn remake, 
that had yes. actually shot and finished several years earlier. Both of these kind of sat on a shelf because distributors, like no one really knew what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to correct myself. No, it was. Yep. April, April 2012 is, is when Cabin in the Woods was, was released. So that was right before Avengers. Egg, yes. Which I'm guessing like that's finally got like what got one of the distribution pushes. You know, Thor had happened the the previous summer, right on the cusp of uh, Avengers coming out a few weeks later. This finally got a theatrical release, and as far as I know, I I, I didn't see it in theaters. I, I saw it soon after it hit video, but I don't really think it did much at at the box office. It was kind of a come and go, hit or miss. Um, and I can kind of understand why, uh, and, and you'll see shortly, um, that I can, I, I, th- I think what, I think you'll see that this would be a very difficult movie to market and it's not because horror movies are hard to market. Right. Um, it's because other than, well, okay, let's digress a step. This movie is called Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Given your whatever the extent of your exposure to horror film history and tropes and whatnot is what would you guess are some basic things involved in in the plot of the story so you might be disappointed because i think i know more about this film than you think i know okay um and that is probably due to some of the trailers and i it's one of those films that again at the time it came out it was it's i think written by joss whedon correct it is uh, Joss and uh, Drew Goddard. Yeah, and Goddard directed. Correct. Yeah, so I knew about this film somewhere around its release. I don't know if I saw a trailer because at that point we're, we're in Avengers hype mode. Mm-hmm. Joss Whedon is all over the place, so something with his name attached. I was like, "What is this?" Uh huh. And you know, once I started seeing it was in the horror genre, I was already skeptical. I think I saw a trailer, and I I don't think the trailer gives a lot away Mm -hmm. um but i can definitely tell from the trailer that it plays with the tropes of horror movies and tries to turn things on its head i think um so how how long would you estimate it has been since you have watched the trailer for this movie or seen footage probably a couple years I mean, yeah, I mean, if it was, I don't want to say it's been, you know, seven years since I've seen anything on it, because I'm sure I might have seen bits and pieces of something here and there. But um, specifically, I feel like I, and this is, I think, visuals from the trailer. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing some sort of, I I feel like it starts, the trailer starts out like a typical horror movie. There's, you know, teenage kids having fun in a cabin. And then, like, uh, I remember they vividly because it's one of the like comedic beats i think of the trailer is like we should all stick together hemsworth is saying this i think like we should all stick together and then you see some sort of gas come into the room and then he goes no you know what we should go split apart (laughs) okay so that i think i remember that i feel like i remember like a, a bird flying into a force field so i'm also feeling like these kids are are confined into something um, and there's some sort of visual that I can remember of two guys behind a computer desk dancing at some point for something. Okay. So I have very few little bits and pieces that I know I've seen out of context. I really still don't know what's happening, but that's the visuals that pop into my head when this movie is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I, I'm surprised even for, even if it's been a couple of years, uh, for, for enough of 
some of that imagery and, and some of those details to stick with you. That's impressive. I think it's more because I know a lot of people love this movie and a lot of people are upset that I have not seen this movie <laughs> other than you. Like I've heard this from numerous people uh-huh. when I say I haven't seen this movie. You haven't seen Cabin in the... What? Why? How? <laughs> you love Joss Whedon. How have you not seen... Well, you know, it's the horror part. I've never yeah. d- dove into the horror stuff. Um, so yeah, I think just enough people have talked about it. I think I've peripherally heard things and that's just, yeah, visuals that stick stick out to me for whatever reason. Okay, no, that's that's actually a, a pretty good start. Um, a, a couple things that I would say that you're probably accurate on to a certain degree going in. The, yes, it is not just your basic remake, again, of college students go to the cabin to party and spend the week and then just something evil befalls them and, and right. you know, uh, events ensue. Uh, you know, you're turn a phrase of you know turn the genre on its head that is 100 percent how i've always described this um yeah. that it's it's not a parody by any means so i wouldn't expect okay. that um i would say if, if there were moments in a trailer that you may have seen as you described that like might have been seeming like a, a comic relief moment i would say that that's possible that the trailer with its sound effects and the way that it might have stopped sound at a certain point like it was the timing was manipulated to make it seem like a comical or uh, parody type of moment. Right. And while like, I, I would say, maybe I should refine what I'm saying. I, I get it probably in the truest sense of a parody, it might fit the definition, but not in the way that we traditionally think that is used by just simply comically laughably, uh, for chuckles making fun of a thing right okay um so i wouldn't necessarily expect expect that but every everything that you are uh expecting or thinking is going to happen or it's about at any real point it's it's not okay and it just more and more like gets one revealed of movies where i'm like even though I have no, even back then, had really not much intention to see the movie, I kind of wish I didn't see the trailer because this is one of those movies I've heard from multiple people. It's better to go in completely blind. Yes. And you, maybe even you've told told me this before too. Um, just go in not knowing anything, but it's too late. Like I've seen stuff, so I can't take it back now. And this is one of those, <laughs> God damn it, why do I watch things that, that have people associate, you know, because Joss Whedon's atta- name is attached, I've seeked out some of the stuff for this movie already. Sure. But, Again, if it, it's 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 the give and take with the trailers that we all sort of want to see to give you that fix of a movie you're anticipating, but at the same time, it's better and I get more enjoyment out of seeing a movie not knowing anything. But yeah, it's, it, it's the catch twenty two of that scenario. It, this is definitely one of them. And to go back to a, a point you started to make right there at the beginning that we were touching on, to make marketing for this kind of story where the thing that is special about it is what makes it so different the special experience is not seeing that coming right so you can't really present that in the way that they typically do you can't give that away in a trailer you can't give that away in a a preview and some unfortunately some films don't realize that because they're either so worried that no one's going to come see it so they give enough away that it kind of ruins you know the big thing that that makes it unique yeah 
um, and, and it, it dilutes that, that initial experience. So I'm, to your point, though, I would say, you know, listeners so far, if other than what you've heard us discuss, if you've never seen anything about this movie, don't listen to our post conversation yet. You really, really want to watch this first. <laughs> If yeah. if you're at all interested, like if you can even forget what you've heard from us, and <laughs> you just seek out this movie, 2012's Cabin in the Woods, written co-written by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, directed by Drew Goddard. Uh, if you, if you can stand horror movies at all, you'll enjoy it. And if you like horror movies and you just haven't hap- if you happened to have not seen this yet, I promise you, you'll enjoy the hell out of it. I think. Um, real quick, I guess we'll end on two two points. Other than Hemsworth, um, do you know of anybody else in the cast without really looking? Does anyone else's face stand out to you? Anybody that you uh, would seem kind of familiar? I feel like there's there's like the the team characters. I feel like some of them. I can't place the the faces right now, but I know I th- some of them are familiar. Like Joss Whedon alumni, I think are in there. Okay. One of the one of the the, the I think there's like a geeky geeky nerdy kid who I think was in like Dollhouse. Because I I may have been I can't remember if that was when Dollhouse was on. So I think seeing him in the trailer, I was like, oh, I I've seen you on TV, kind of thing. Okay. Um. And for some reason, I feel like one of the people behind the computer is Bradley Whitford. You are correct. Okay, I, I will confirm that. <laughs> the, yes, but yeah, I, I can't put a face to the to the second guy behind the computer. All right, but that's yeah, Hemsworth, the the nerdy kid from <laughs> Dollhouse, and Bradley Whitford. Not a problem. So I, I think you'll actually be. I don't think this is a, a gonna gonna dilute the uh, the experience or whatnot. I think you're gonna find that surprisingly, there's not a very large cast. Okay. It it expands like if you take something like The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead really only has like seven characters in the entire movie. Gotcha. It's more expansive than that, but for what it seems like they accomplish or what you maybe you're expecting to happen or to come, there's really not all that many uh, bodies needed for it, no pun intended. Okay. Yeah, because typically horror movies expand the cast just to kill people off, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Again, something maybe that they realize that if they keep that under control they can still account they can accomplish something different with um still using some more uh tra- traditional types of um situations okay um i guess lastly is there i don't want to just i, I don't i don't want to phrase it like are you nervous but <laughs> like yes are, are, yes like, i am <laughs> <laughs> um i as many times as we've talked about this on and off air you know that we, we being like Sarah and I would not have picked something for you to watch if we literally didn't think you could en- right. enjoy it at, at all or or to a degree that it would be worth it. Um, and again, it's not just you guys. Like I have had other friends that know my aversion to horror movies that have said, oh, you could this is fine for you. You could you could deal with this. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've still to this day put it off just like, I'll you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. So. Today now is the time I'm going to get to it. <laughs> so I I think you're gonna like it. Uh, even Sarah watches. We we love scary movies together, and even she still watches through Waffle Fingers a lot of the time. <laughs> so if those moments happen, no problem. But um, I I think genuinely from 
the craft of movie making, you will be able to appreciate this okay. and, and, and what they do, uh, even if it's not your cup of tea all the way through and through. Yeah. Um, do you have any last thoughts, sentiments, ideas you want to hit on? No. I mean, well, I guess more of a prediction, I guess. Okay. I'm expecting to like it. And I think it's just more <laughs> the way everybody talks about it. And that, again, numerous people have told me this movie should be up my alley. So I, I'm, I, I, I will be surprised and disappointed if I don't like it, I guess. The bar, the bar is set high, I guess I'll say. Which I, could be good or bad because we have had enough of these discussions where the bar is set high. And because right. of that, something that was otherwise maybe mediocre or enjoyable feels a little bit less right yeah i'd rather be going into it with very low expectations and coming out of it pleasantly surprised but going in the opposite is tough to come down you know tough to live up to so we'll 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 see yeah definitely uh well with that in mind i mean i guess it's it's time to get to it isn't it i'm I'm ready when you are friends the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. Today we delve into a chamber of secrets about the world as we delve into Cabin in the Woods. We will see you after the movie. Listeners, welcome back. We've brought you two new victims. You've seen him on Twitch recently, and it might be a rare achievement that he has survived this long. Please welcome to the table, Michael Bradley. Who the fuck uses my full name? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, no, it's cool, it's cool, it's Mike, but... um, It's Mike. Hi. I I haven't been called Michael by somebody, and I I honestly it was my mother I'm sure the last time, so um exactly it's always when you're in trouble Michael and that's what you are now. Okay. Thank you for joining us for the post discussion. Along with him, we're very very happy to be torturing Ian. I'll never leave you behind, Ladik. Thank you. My name, as our mysterious host so eloquently put it, is Ian Leidick. And from earliest childhood, I've been a dreamer and a visionary. I will tell only of the lone tomb on the darkest hillside of the thickets, the deserted tomb of the Hyde, an old, exalted family whose last direct descendant has been laid within its black recesses many decades before my birth. Hear this fantastic tale and many more on my new podcast, Miro Mia. Available where podcasts are sold. I hope you enjoyed your promotion there, Ian, because it's the last words you're ever going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, we're back from our dive into Cabin in the Woods, and you know what we have to do now. You have to get your spoiler alert so that we can talk about movie specifics. If you haven't seen the film yet, and you've reached it this far, I implore you, no, I demand that you pause this podcast now and you go enjoy Cabin in the Woods before coming back. Wee-oo, wee-oo, spoiler! Wee-oo, wee-oo, spoiler! You know, 
something like that. All right, folks, we're back. Thanks for that fun little detour again. Um, as you heard at the beginning of uh, the show, Brian and I uh, recorded the the pre-discussion. Uh, in fact, then uh, Mike joined us in person for the movie viewing. Um, but uh, then uh, Ian revisited this on his own. So we're glad to have a bigger group to hash it out afterwards. So thanks for sticking around. Um, I guess, Brian, I, I'll definitely I'll, you know, I'll start with you. You are, as you love to say, in, in the hot seat yeah. on these ones. Um, this is the one that we've been talking about for so long. Did we ruin your Sunday? Yeah, uh, surprisingly, no. I, I okay. did enjoy myself, which was, I think, not maybe not as surprising as I thought, because I, I think I mentioned uh, before we watched it that there was, there was a lot of hype going into this movie. Numerous people... Um, some that are really into horror and some that will tolerate it have all told me, this is a movie for me. This is one that I will enjoy. This is one they are all surprised I haven't seen. And everyone was right. It was good. I enjoyed it. I, it's, it's one that I wouldn't actually mind seeing again, which I can't say for a lot of horror movies. So I, okay. I, I we could end the show there if we wanted to. That's the <laughs> quote that goes on, on the poster for this episode. And, and that's it. Um, no, legitimately, I didn't expect to get that at all just wanted to look for something that you could enjoy enough to get through um but if, if that's okay well sort of expand on that like what what is it that took you by surprise what what is it that you enjoyed so much that uh you might revisit some at some point well i try I, you know i trusted you and uh sarah and i'm trying to remember who else had told me that i could i could stomach this movie like there was there was not as much gory stuff as i i guess maybe had anticipated or thought so that was good um I definitely enjoyed the humor for the movie. I, I like movies, especially for genres that maybe I'm not as thrilled about, uh, mm-hmm. that don't take themselves serious too seriously, or or is like in on the joke, which this movie seems to be, which I enjoyed. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I think the the writing was clever. Uh, it was fun just seeing like Joss Whedon alumni pop up here and there, <laughs> even just in the smaller roles. I'm like, hey, I remember you from Buffy. I remember you from Angel. Like stuff like that was cool. I'm glad uh, you actually had that sort of secondary thing to to pull out because I don't know any of those people having not yeah. watched those shows. And I don't think there was anyone that I recognized easily from like uh, Firefly or anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, you were you you recognize one of the main cast members from Dollhouse uh, and some of the supporting characters from those other shows. So uh, I'm glad that was like a little surprise bonus for you. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else stuck out to me. Um, I think it, it like pacing wise, it moves pretty good. It's only like an hour mm-hmm. and a half, so it doesn't feel yeah. like an hour and a half, which is good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, other stuff might come up there during the course of the discussion, but that's sort of what's off the top of my head. Okay. Um, and, and you guys can chime in with this too, Mike and Ian. Um, the, so the first time I watched the movie, I was, I, I, I think same as you, like I had known enough about it or knew enough about like horror movie tropes to know that no matter what I'm seeing, eventually the story is going to be brought to me. Right. But I was pleasantly surprised or slightly thrown off that they decided to open the movie as they did with just uh, the, the, this very like bland, everyday sort of office banter between the two characters that are part of the experiment or, or, or event like control operation. Right. Um. Did you necessarily think, I mean, obviously you weren't surprised by that per se, but I guess did, did that 
catch you off guard, at least in, in any way of like how to open a horror movie or like what was your initial reaction to, you know, starting what's supposed to be a scary movie that way? Yeah, I mean, slightly because, you know, you see stuff like that and you're immediately like, OK, where are they going with this? Like this has to mean something. Um, and, you know, we talked before the movie that I, I do wish this is something I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. I think then I really would have been confused. Like, are you are you fucking with me? Like, what what are we watching here? Is this like <laughs> what is this? Um, so I knew I knew sort of where it was headed, mm-hmm. um, but it was still, you know, it it is it still catches you off guard a little bit just knowing the the genre, and you're watching a movie in that genre. That's not what you'd expect movies in that genre to have, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, had I, uh, Mike Green, had either of you seen this in theaters or did you catch it on video? you know, at some point later. I saw it in the theater. Oh, did you? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. You too, Ian? Yeah, originally I saw it in theaters because oh, nice. my friends just, I, I forget if they had already seen it, but they were real excited about it. So we went in and I've seen it. This was probably like the sixth, seventh time I've watched it. Uh-huh. It's definitely one of, like, I'm not huge into horror. Like I'm more, like I'll do slashers and stuff, but I'm less into, I guess, modern horror now with the found footage stuff. So mm-hmm. I really like this because it takes a lot of the tropes of the slasher genre in general. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like a meta deconstruction of it. Yeah, very much. Like that's uh, in the, the like post viewing discussion that we had uh, together when, when we actually sat down together, um, Mike and I had been, talking to brian about other things that you know maybe we could consider if we keep this going and i had brought up uh well i think sarah had actually brought up scream i had mentioned uh west craven's new nightmare and i think those two things specifically kind of do the same thing they're using the the history of the genre and the exact structure and all those things to be able to tell a story in a different way by by using those exact elements i thought that was really clever um so did, did either of you, since you got to see it in theaters, I, I did not. I caught it I caught it on video like, I don't know, two years after this came out. Because I, I kind of feel like it was um like here and gone. Like they tried to do some promotion for it. It was in the theaters for just a few weeks, maybe at the time. But it was kind of like a blink and you miss it. Um, did either of you know much about it going in? uh at all in like in the way that brian is saying like did, did you have any sort of preconception about it not specifically no i think for me it was just i knew it was a horror movie but i knew it was like i didn't know it was more like this weird comedy deconstruction thing i just knew it wasn't regular horror movie going in mm-hmm. like, i knew there was something different but i didn't know that's so I, I think I'm, it's been so long now. I can't tell you seven, eight. Oh, God, it's been nine years. If nine years ago, <laughs> how I felt about seeing them open up with the office thing. The yeah. only thing I will say about that, Stillerson and Hadley, up until like it starts getting into what their real job is. Yeah. You could put those scenes in any regular corporate office like scenes in other movies. Yes. It's like, yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel about my job. That's exactly why it works so well, I think. Um, I, I've read this multiple times over the years that as part of the vision for this movie uh joss whedon and the director drew goddard the two co-writers they specifically decided to open the movie like that so that if someone was going to see it in theaters or someone pops it in you know for the first time and maybe their friend puts it on for the suggestion and they're all sitting around having a movie night or something they specifically wanted a certain percentage of people to think that they were in the wrong movie <laughs> by having a scary movie open 
with that tone and that subject matter and people doing those things because it's a it's a good several minutes that like yeah you see people petering around and they're doing things and whatnot but i, I feel like an, an, unless you definitely know that hey a good horror movie can start anyway it, it possibly can and go a million different directions um, they wanted people to almost double question, like, did I walk into the wrong theater to see Cabin in the Woods? Like, am I in the wrong place? So I, I feel that like was, that was clever. You know, that when I went to see it the first time, I feel like I remember like mentioning it afterwards because we did we knew nothing really going in. It was just kind of like a date night thing, like, oh, what? Oh, look, there's a scary movie. Let's go watch that because we like mm-hmm. horror movies. So I'll just I'll watch anything in horror, even if it's bad, I'll watch it. So, yeah, sure, let's go in for that one. And I saw Joss Whedon's name pop up as the rolling credits, so it didn't really, like, make me think... It, like, it it put me on guard to be like, this isn't going to be what you expect. Um, Fair. So... Yeah, I think I had the... somewhat of a mixture of everybody's experience, because I didn't get to see it in theaters, I had forgotten enough about it, from the time it had been advertised but i think i knew just enough to know that okay it's probably going to be something other than just your your basic you know kind of evil deadish kids get killed in the woods kind of movie um but everything to me was out of left field like from from the very beginning like the movie opening i'm like okay this is different uh just like every twist and turn it took like i i i actually appreciate the fact that you kind of get i don't want to say the twist you get part of the twist up front you don't get 30 minutes into the movie or it's only act three that you realize oh here are the puppet masters pulling the strings because i feel like that way it just would have conveniently fit everything you had seen up to that point and then for some reason i kind of appreciated it being right up front and then you get to follow both sides of it as it goes as they're like freaking out over you know japan failing but they think that they're on good footing and you're following the operations like every time a character dies they're pulling the levers to fill the monoliths with blood um it was definitely definitely different uh brian i know as we were watching you had jotted some notes down was there anything else uh on your bullets that you wanted to hit before i tag a few of mine i mean i'm a lot of what I was writing, I think, were just questions as, that I was hoping were either answered by the film or would come around later. So, like, who is the customer? Wait, do we ever actually get an answer of who the customer is? At some point, they mentioned the customer. And that's why I wrote it down. It's like, just the gods. Yeah, I think okay. that's just, like, a term they're using. So, and then, you know, another one was, like, who is the director? Which is answered. Will anyone mm-hmm. live? That's answered. <laughs> um... I wasn't. I was really debating if if Dana would actually go ahead and kill. Uh, what was the other guy's? What was the guy's name? Marty. Marty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, Shaggy without the dog. Um. One one thought that I think occurred to me as we we're talking. Um. That I didn't write down, but one thing I think I do. Another thing that I appreciate about this film is I feel like for something that tries to play on genre and turn stuff on its head, it's easy to go off the rails. So I appreciate that sure. this seemed to have a very set. Uh, like laid out rules that it's trying to follow. Like there are things that need to happen and, and they, you know, it's explained to you as the movie goes on, like they can't do it themselves. They have to let the, the victims choose it. 
mm-hmm. and depending on what they choose, that depends on you know that'll that'll manifest whatever comes to kill them, and like they have to happen in sequence, and like yeah, all this stuff that I I appreciate the detail that went into stuff like that and explaining that. I like I like story breadcrumbs like that. That still, yeah, I agree. That still seem to, as you put it, like they they still play by a certain set of rules regardless of whether those rules adhere to reality or yeah. science or whatever like they, they but it's world a lot building. of things whatever happen, world they establish this is what has to happen for that world yes because mm-hmm. outside of that everything can just seem like a matter of convenience because they needed thing x to occur yeah i i, I wondered uh i know it kind of goes by quickly in the movie but when they show the whiteboard in the office of all the things that the staff had wagered on placed their bets on to be the thing to get uh, selected to go after the group um were you able to catch uh, uh, any of those as it went by quickly i know it's it's not on screen very long i i did not i thought i remember you or sarah referencing some sort of tree for something <laughs> it is so so there's many websites and and places where they've you know still framed these and cataloged them and whatnot so Based on at least the the possibilities that could be selected and, and from what the various staff departments at the company uh, chose to bet on that year, out of those possibilities, they selected a werewolf, an alien beast, mutants, which I guess that's vague enough. X-Men. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, wraiths, zombies, reptilius. Which I don't know if that's specifically referencing like the giant uh, rattlesnake I think that's that you snake, see later. Yeah. Uh, I thought clowns. there was a thing that just said snake at some point, though. Yeah, very well made. That's what I'm saying. So I'm not sure if maybe reptilius. Uh, there, there's so many creatures that appear on screen later, and some like so so very quickly that sometimes. I feel yeah. Like, I feel like you see you giant know. snake. You do definitely see the giant snake, but maybe there's some other kind of like hybrid reptile creature that you don't see very long because it's like a blink and it's gone thing. No, I mean like on a white, but, uh, on a board or a chalkboard, like you see the words, not like just the snake itself. Like, I feel like you see it somewhere. The oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right. Down, down lower on this list. It is. Um, yeah. So there's clowns, witches, sexy, witches, <laughs> demons, hell Lord, angry, molesting tree, which That's is yeah. a, yeah. which is a reference to evil dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, giant snake. So there you go. The deadites, which yep. are also a reference to Evil Dead. Uh, Mummy, the bride, uh, the scarecrow folk, which I do believe we see. That, that I remember calling that out during the like giant murder scenes, thinking oh, that's yeah. what I thought they were. Uh, that happens at the end, like when they're busting into the room they were all controlling mm-hmm. stuff from. Yeah, there's like four of them. Yeah, no, those guys are wild. Pretty badass. Uh, this one I don't recall seeing, but I would love to see their incarnation. Snowman. I would have loved a no, moment of it's... some kind of killer snowman. That would have been <laughs> great. Because they like of all the things that they pick and that you see, um, even the unicorn that you that, see, that I feel great. like even the snowman would have been the most like cartoony and ridiculous to put on screen, but I would have loved it. What was that? Dumb. There was like a Frosty the Snowman horror movie at one point. I can't. Oh yeah, I can't remember Jack what Frost it was called, but it was horrible. One. I think Jack Frost is like the legit like kids movie. No, there's two movies called Jack Frost. That's 
Uh-huh. Oh, was okay. there? Okay. All right, yeah, see, this is how my movie. ignorance is. I don't know of the horror movie called Jack Frost. <laughs> Mostly, and I, this is kind of a joke, but not really. If you if you think it, I guarantee there's been at least a a C or D level movie of that thing as like the killer in some kind of horror movie. I guarantee I mean, it's happened. I know I've seen one with a tire. Oh, my uh, dad rubber. loves that movie. <laughs> rubber. Rubber was great. <laughs> Mostly because it's so stupid. But I think well, there was one more on the list and it was just Frank on the yeah. whiteboard. And the cast was all, when they were asked about it, they all said it's just some regular dude in his, like, a dress shirt. <laughs> That's but some people think it's also... Frank from, um, some people think it's Frank from Sin City, though. Oh, oh, Kevin. That's Kevin, find my, yeah, Frank, Frank Millar. Kevin. Yes. Yes. I, I've I think heard that both sides cool. of that, too. And that that would be fine. I mean, that would be a good callback to to Sin City. But I do like Kevin reminds me. It's sort of like um, ah, oh, what is his name? Pot for is it? Shit, the guy that shows up who answers the ad in Deadpool two. Keep telling him Sugar Bear. Yeah, I remember you talking. I can picture him. I can't think of his Peter. name. Peter. Yes. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I I think <laughs> of that. Like you have giants, jack o' lanterns, zombie rednecks, and then you have Kevin. Um, what did you think about the payoff that you finally get with the merman and Richard Bradley or, uh, um, Bradley Whitford, Bradley Whitford. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was good. I mean, they, they kept referencing it. So I, I think I would have been more surprised if the, mer- if the merman didn't show up at some point. So yeah, I'll take it. That was good. And uh, it's yeah. shooting blood out of the blowhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that was, was a nice touch. <laughs> I, I honestly like his reaction to it I think really sold that because like you'd think like in any other scenario except it's about to eat my fucking face his reaction would have mm. been pure joy but he's just like ah oh, shit <laughs> like yeah and I, I love that they slid it in that the the moment you get the payoff for that for the from the character who wanted it so badly is just in his final moments and that's the thing that takes him out Personally, with the merman, I love that it's a conch shell. That that like Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. is like fingering this conch shell, like hmm. <laughs> it's like you, like you see that, and like instantly it reminds you, like oh yeah, the fucking merman thing. And yeah, and then Whitford calls it out later when he's all <laughs> he's salty that the, yeah, the redneck yeah, the family got shell. picked instead. Oh, um, we again, I think it's something we kind of maybe talked about afterward if we talked about it in the in the pre-discussion uh, apologies for the redundancy um but uh this movie along with another chris uh hemsworth film red the red dawn remake um both got actually made in about 2009 2010 uh, from multiple places i've seen that from studios and executives seeing the dailies for cabin in the woods is what got him cast in red dawn um because they saw that sort of like group leadership quality come out in him and then very soon after that within days many of them have cited um around that same time is when he got the call that he had been selected for thor and then ironically both of these movies cabin in the woods and red dawn sat on a shelf undistributed for about two two or more years because MGM was going through bankruptcy at the time, so they couldn't distribute. And they finally got released 
the same year as the Avengers. So he so made both a good of couple them. Years. Yeah, he makes both of them, and each subsequent part seems to get him the next part. And then the big part comes out in 2011, the first Thor, and then only then after that can Cabin in the Woods get released about a month before Avengers, and then Red Dawn gets released in the late fall of 2012. I'd guess that paid off pretty well for them, holding on to the films, just because of, you know, I mean, his rising star power at the time. It, it, it certainly aided their box office. And see Josh looking for budgets and box office and see what it did. Just uh, to try to, to make me, that point to see. Uh, that always, It's always occurred to me, and I've, I'm wondering what the effect may have been. Him getting those roles, to me, sounds a lot like they watched and they were like, boy, he, he like him getting like the Thor role, I mean, they, they watched and they're like, boy, man, he sounds horrible doing an American accent, mm-hmm. but we don't need him to. He's got everything else we need. <laughs> True, it, like, and I mean, I, he's I would argue that he's American. I mean, his American's not that bad. I mean, in like, these there are it was. Now it's worse. not so bad. I feel like in in these in that movie, in the at least in the beginning of the movie, I, I felt like he was kind of all over the place with his American accent. Like it, it felt very that, forced. That's true. It can kind of bounce a little bit, and he kind of stumbles in times. Like sort of like you mentioned with Ian's intro today there's just like moments where it kind of fluctuates and, and, and you you hear it break a few times um so okay i i'll do this very quickly because this is actually very surprising what real quick uh take a shot in the dark what do you think the worldwide gross for this movie was 110 50 50 for me and brian i'm gonna say 100 I, wow you guys were way more generous than i would have been i think i would have even lowballed Ian at fifty. Uh, this made just just shy of seventy million. Okay, so okay. somewhere in between. Which, given again, like the I think the sort of like blink and you miss it being here uh, in April twenty twelve. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if theatrically it had only made like maybe twenty to thirty million. But big um, budget horror movies can do good, or at least like you know, I mean like well-produced horror movies tend to do fairly well because horror movie audiences tend to be fairly loyal about we'll watch anything fair and and it's even harder with an a a good r-rated horror movie it's much easier to bank some of those dollars when you're working with pg-13 yeah um but i mean but ian's example is perfect you know his friends got out to the theater in the early weeks of the release said this is really cool come see it they went back they brought more people so it at least helped push it up to around seventy million. I don't have anything here that I can see quickly about uh, budgets or anything. I don't imagine that this was a pricey film to make. Nobody in it, other than like maybe you could argue that Bradley Whitford or Richard Jenkins were a listers at the time, but like your main cast, even Hemsworth, were not. Um, I wouldn't even say they're so, a listers I mean, now. I mean. Well, like, but, I mean, just saying, like even. at at your at your best, you don't have like high high marquee movie yeah. stars anywhere in it. So your salary side is going to be fairly low. Some of the, I mean, your your biggest costs are in the you know your closing climax act with all your special effects and your CGI for the creatures. Yeah. Other than that, most of the even the like practical effects for your first two acts couldn't really be that bad. So they. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, depending on what distribution and marketing 
cost. But, you know, but again, I didn't really see a huge marketing push for this even at the time it was released. They still probably turned a nice profit on this. I wouldn't be surprised. So this budget was 30 million. You got that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, I mean, yeah, even more than even if, Yeah, even if that doesn't include marketing, who knows? Like, they couldn't have spent that much on it. So they definitely cleared a good, a good margin on that. Um, this was, and I only bring this up because this is something that has happened throughout a series of horror movies over the years. Um, this film put another entry on the books of a former female Power Ranger appearing topless in a horror movie, or or in films after being a Power Ranger. She was uh, a Power Ranger when. Uh, Anna Hutchinson, Hutchison, Hutchison, who uh, played Jules, Hemsworth's girlfriend in this movie. Uh, she was previously, before this, a few years before this, was the Yellow Cheetah Ranger on Power Rangers Jungle Fury. Nice. Mm. I didn't even and know that was a thing. There was, well, there's maybe two others that easily come to mind with this. The first one would be in... Um, Cabin Fever, Eli Roth's first Cabin Fever. Um, I think it's Ser Serena Vincent who ends up sleeping with Ryder Strong's character toward the end of the movie. She was previously a Power Ranger. I, I think I may have just recently watched like the absolute worst movie I've ever seen and she was in it. Oh, that's unfortunate. I'll, I'll have to bring it up later. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then I think there was the the girl in in not another teen movie, the actress who is the spoof version of uh, Shannon Elizabeth's character from American Pie. You mean the one that just walks around naked for the entire yes. movie? She was also a Power Ranger. <laughs> so I said, oh, only kind of bring this up because I don't know if there's like a trend of this. Um, oh, and actually, no, there's one more. Um, Cat, who was the who who took over for the initial Pink Ranger. You mean she took it's, over for Amy Jo Johnson? That's the only correct re she, Power Ranger I could name you. Um, That's it. And it wasn't too long after that because it. When was the Cell? The Cell was like two, 1997, I think, with uh, Vince Vaughn and J Lo. Oh, it was later than uh, I thought. It was 2000. She plays, I think, a victim, and she you only see her as a corpse. Necessarily a naked corpse. Yeah. So, unfortunately, just but. to be clear, we just had a few minute discussion about topless Power Rangers. I'm just I'm liking saying, the direction. It, it's a, it's a very nice. small, unique group to belong to, but there are a few. This is you the break content the mold I'm of being a Power Ranger, possibly. So, I mean, if, if anybody was you know really hot on Jason David Frank or any of them, you know, maybe hold out hope. They'll join the club I mean, technically, they probably have appeared topless somewhere, right? Well, that's true. Um, so, I don't know. Hitting other ideas in, in Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Mike, Ian, what's on your mind? So, I really liked... Um, so, we get early on the scene where you see the one-way mirror. Yeah. Mm. So, we also know that this ritual has been going on for possibly since mankind began... And we know this place is actually called the Buckner House, which is the name of the redneck zombie torture pain family that lives there. So they might have actually been doing this ritual when they were alive, killing people. Because in the diary, they mention appeasing the gods in it. 
So they might have been using this mirror as a viewing station, like in the old times, when they didn't have the cameras to view through it to watch the people die. Because also in the room being viewed has the trap door to go to the black room, the big torture room underneath the house. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's connected there. And then that is another... really smart. I never thought of that. <laughs> no, that's that's you're right. That's genius. And then another cool thing they do with it is also another foreshadowing thing is when the zombie family's attacking and they all get locked in the rooms, um, Holden breaks through the mirror, leaving becoming the observer, the observed to become the observer, like when they break into the actual facility underground. So it's a little mm -hmm. foreshadowing that they're going to break in to where all of these office people live. So I really like that. Like it does a lot of things like that, trying to tell you what's coming next, but in a more subtle way. But also building the lore of the universe, like maybe the Buckners have been this rich, you know, participating in this ritual. That's their origin and why their graves are so conveniently located nearby. I like your version of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it doesn't like rewrite the movie necessarily, but it just made what's already there way better for me. No, it builds it, out the world. I like it. There's a lot because I know there was a thing. I I think Goddard and um, uh, Whedon both said uh, their vision for the film was that Holden and Stillerson. I mean, uh, Sitterson and Hadley. That that was them. Those two guys were them directing the action for the audience, and the audience is actually the ancient gods. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. So that as, didn't so happen. That, so then they explain the ending, like, by not showing, like, is the Earth ruined, it leaves it up to, if you enjoyed the film, the Earth's fine, everyone's good probably afterwards, you're not that upset. You didn't like the film, the world's fucked. Everyone's <laughs> dead now. And I really also like that, like, that's why they left it open, like, it's the audience deciding, hey, how's this playing out, really, in the end? It's funny that you kind of put it that way, because there's also something that I had seen quoted in several different places where either in some media interview or fan Q&A with a screening of the movie, something. At some point, Drew Goddard was asked um, about a sequel to the movie. And his response was, like, did you watch it all the way through? Did, did you see the ending? Like, literally, we killed everybody on Earth. It's over. Like, it, that's that's the end. There is no ending here. Yeah, it's there's like, nowhere to go from there. <laughs> what I, I had been thinking about that, like, is you can't do one, but I would like to have seen, like, a film of what happened to Japan. Just sure. show, make that a film. Like, you don't even have to do the meta part. Well, just show me that horror film of whatever they were doing in that classroom for two hours. Or just do a prequel. I mean, just go back yeah, to what they too. did in the past at some point. You know Prequels I mean? would be cool. I, I like Ian's idea, again, of sort of, you don't maybe you don't have to give me the japanese version of the company controlling the event but give me like a series of vignettes of like 15 20 minutes half an hour a piece of different areas like why did some of those other areas fail what went well wrong? i can tell you why one of them failed because if you notice if you're watching the screen one of them has king kong in it and king kong fucked <laughs> up because king kong sucks i i didn't uh still screen the movie at that point i don't remember seeing that <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll find out in May. I was gonna say that's a trap. That's a, <laughs> I'm just letting don't, it go. It, don't we'll go, find yep, out in don't, May. Trap trap door sprung open, Mike. Don't take the steps down to the basement. 
I'm I'm good. I you know what? At this point, I'm just like let let's just see what uh, what happens. You know, enough talk. Let's get to the fight. <laughs> and then it was supposed to be happening like soon, and now it's May. So yeah, I gotta wait a bit longer for that. Uh, yeah, I gotta be uh, tormented about King Kong for the next seven months. Well, you can just apparently now you can keep rewatching cabin in, in the woods and every time these that moment comes up you until then you can wait remember. you still seriously believe that ian is right that there's a king kong in cabin because i think he's full of shit no there is if you slow it down you can see the foot even yeah. even, even if he's not I'm, I'm imagining it might be embedded just enough in the back of one of our <laughs> psyches like we gotta go check that out Well, so one of my favorite things is just yeah. how much Evil Dead is in this movie. Like the cabin is Evil Dead, the popping up is Evil Dead. Well, I mean, you know, they they just being in the woods. It's all so Evil Dead, and that's the guess. The other thing, Evil Dead's also kind of really fucking campy. So it's nice that that's kind of where they went for their references. Was that? Yeah, I remember when we were watching. Um, Sarah pulled it up because I had mentioned that that just even from the outside the exterior the very first exterior shot you get of the cabin like they it's almost like they tried to replicate the the look of of the exact evil dead cabin you could convince like, me it's the same one oh yeah that they found like, they just asked the quality where it is. the quality of the wood the coloration of it the mm -hmm. exact clearance around it till you get to uh you know to to vegetation mm -hmm. how how high the trees grow around it all that stuff is like that very like iconic framing shot yeah. of of the evil, but I I think I, I'm I'm not as much of a connoisseur on this particular point of horror films, but you could easily argue that Evil Dead, if not one of the you know pioneering cabin in the woods esque films, um, is definitely sort of the gold standard or the most well known. It's the most infamous, so I think it absolutely makes sense to put your basis there. Yeah, See, I, that's I mean, the thing. I a lot of the horror and... movie tropes, are, I think, are lost on me. But I will take your word for it. I mean, I think <laughs> that's why it works. A few screen, things they just tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know Ian had mentioned before we watched it, like, oh, it's got the best bong in movie history in it, and I still agreed. <laughs> like, yes, it absolutely fucking does. And, I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of the cabin, I I pointed out, and it's it's another. I don't want to say it's a horror movie trope, but it's a things don't add up and they don't care because they're making a horror movie kind of thing. But they walk into that cabin. It looks like that's a one-room loft type of cabin. And, oh, look, there's four bedrooms in this cabin. You know, like it's <laughs> it's this gigantic cabin inside and it looks like a shack from the outside. It's and, definitely deceivingly large. It's like they put an, uh, a, a magical tent, camping tent extension Harry Potter <laughs> charm on that thing. It definitely seems that way. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I agree with a lot of the Evil Dead stuff. Um, Ian wanted to report on how grossed out Brian got. There was only one time I remember Brian getting a little bit squeamish. I heard a little bit of a, like, disgusted thing when the bear trap was thrown on the guy's back and he was getting pulled by one person and the other person. That, like, I felt that one. Yeah, I think that's I fair. felt that. That's forgivable. Um, but that was the only time and yeah i mean it it still holds up it's still fun to watch every time you watch it i don't know how many times i've watched it it's it's several but i will also point out at the very beginning of this film 
um, I don't want to necessarily call it complaining, but I can't think of a better word. <laughs> um, when the main character, what's her name? The redheaded girl? Dana. 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 She's like in the bedroom in her underwear and Brian's like, why would anybody be in the window in their underwear like that? And I'm just like, well, I'm not, you know, like I, I can't remember my exact response at the time, but in my head, I'm thinking I'm not really complaining here. <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't much of a complaint. That was just an observation. Like who, who does that? To, to such like a on the, the corner apartment. Yeah. yeah. When the windows can very clearly like, what was have your ass out there in the neighborhood. Right in the turret. Remember, I'm she's been, she's been drugged at that point. Just like the rest of them to turn them into the archetype. Yeah, she's supposed okay. to be like the untouchable virgin, even though she's not a virgin, we find out later. Which, honestly, it's I, I like that sort of throwaway line from Sigourney Weaver at that point when they meet at the <laughs> end, and she's describing the roles that they need the people to fulfill. And she says, Vir- whatever, like, virgin? Mm-hmm. Me? She just shoots back quickly. We work with what we with what we have and just moves on. Yeah. They even set that up a couple times because when she's talking to Holden on the couch, she mentioned she's never had sex before. And then she's like, wait, no, why would I say that? Yeah. Like she's confused about it. And then even um, uh, Chris Hemsworth said, you're going to de-virginize her, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And, like he knows at that point that she was dating a teacher. Like she's, he's <laughs> had that teacher, same teacher. <laughs> like, and I, like how much they established him becoming the jock when they, when they go to get the gas He's mm-hmm. been driving. He exits holding the football. Like I he's said that he got out of the car. I said, <laughs> yeah. why is he still holding a football? Brian definitely called that out. <laughs> Just attaches uh, to his hand with a little pig. Kind of getting close to uh, finishing up. I, I will give Brian credit. He recognized Sigourney Weaver before her actual reveal. And I will admit fully, because uh, you, you, if you're not, well, I would say if you're not familiar with the film, but we already gave you the spoiler warning and told you to go watch <laughs> it. So, um, but the uh, first time I saw it and you hear the voiceover as she talks to them after they've broken into the facility, I did not put that together whatsoever. And you had it in about three sentences. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe just because her voice is a little bit more distinctive, mm-hmm. I think anyway. It but, is. Yeah. And, and it, I, part of it, I think, is like, I feel like, the movie at that point, again, doesn't really have too many, like, named stars. So yeah. I'm like, there's got to be somebody that's sort of, like, anchoring this. Like, they wouldn't keep referring to these people and then have them be revealed that it's just like, oh, who's this schlub? True. So I figured yeah. it had to be somebody. So I think that sort of helped me sort of get in that mindset, too. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, her voice stood out to me. Yeah, you got that. Um, I guess the last question I would have is, was it... I mean, not like a huge shocking surprise. Like, oh my God, I can't believe what is going to happen from here. But uh, in, in when you get the reveal that Marty has actually not died, how did that spin you? So, and I can't remember if we sort of talked about it on the pre-discussion, but I feel like we talked about characters that I remember seeing somewhere in a trailer or something. And I remember right. seeing the nerdy guy and a girl mm-hmm. and... The visual that I'm, I don't remember if I mentioned it in the pre-show or not, but the visual that I had was them like in the bunker. So I kind of felt like it's one of those trailer moments where it's like, okay, I saw this in a trailer or somewhere. Mm-hmm. It has not happened yet in the movie. Oh, okay. So I'm still waiting for that payoff. Sure. You mean where they're like both covered so was, in blood kind of thing, like in the trailer? Yeah, and like, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know the context of that visual, but mm-hmm. I feel like I remember that visual from something. So yes, it was less of a surprise for me. Fair. 
I kind of just kept waiting for something else to happen that would explain it. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that they they led that way and then finally gave you the explanation of what the hell happened because yeah it, it seemed when he went under when, when he went underground I'm thinking like okay wait a minute every indication is telling me he should be dead but I'm right. pretty sure he's gonna be alive later so <laughs> where are you gonna wrap this up for me and how's this gonna be explained and that's yeah. what they told you too with the gods being angry when they pull his like valve because he wasn't actually dead yet like that's why okay. it's rumbling and stuff yeah gotcha. Again, Ian. Yeah. So again, I wish I knew nothing movie. going in, but <laughs> yeah, stuff stuff like that I think would have played a lot better. Uh, yeah, I said the the only thing about that sequence and and sort of that part of the the story that they just skate over and apparently we're supposed to buy is, uh, okay, so he as the victim gets dragged down into the grave of one of the redneck zombies. He fights him off. He finds his way below the grave into this control area, which is actually the elevator drop-off area for for all of them because they were selected and then somehow just based on being in there and opening some kind of fuse box marty has somehow figured out how to control the elevator open the elevator hatch and prevent the tunnel cave-in from occurring just by having access to a couple of wires on some kind of electric board other than that. <laughs> yeah. So if you remember, they laced his weed to make him drooling dumb, but his weed was so good it counteracted it, and apparently it made him hyper smart. I think, well, ca- not ca- just counter- normal. Counteracting is one thing. Going the complete opposite direction and making him an on-the-spot, not only like electrical engineer genius, but also <laughs> knowing what all that shit does without having any exposure to it. Better it's well-labeled, because it's a well-run company. <laughs> I guess it would have to be. I feel like that dude is smart enough to make that thermos or the the bong out of the thermos. Right. Then he's he's smart enough to figure out what, some wires in a wall. I like that he makes it and then immediately is just rolling joints in the van. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you got to have both. I know, but they're like, dude, you can't bring your bong in my dad's RV. I'm just gonna start rolling joints. Yeah, dad's the RV next five shot seconds is later. Making drugs, yes. That was good. Um, any last thoughts for 2012's Cabin in the Woods? I think it's a fantastic film that you have to rewatch to really get everything. And I think True. it lends itself to that by having so many little things. And especially, I think Brian, who's someone is not as genre savvy as someone that's into horror, I think he would start to pick up on more and more of it now that he kind of knows the beats of it and can know what to look for. Kind well of. Said. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know how soon I'll jump back in, but, you know, maybe this could be a, a Halloween staple for me. As of right now, there's probably only one movie that I'm like every around Halloween, like I will watch that every time, which is Shaun of the Dead. Uh, <laughs> I was so gonna say I will put this up there with Shaun of the Dead for me and, and probably try to watch it every year. I thought it was going to be Halloween Town. <laughs> <laughs> which is on Disney Plus right now. We found that while looking for something else. Um, yeah, that's about I think I, I I would just echo something that Mike said a little earlier that uh, the rewatchability of this movie is really high, and regardless of all the fun twists that it can take the first time you're watching it, I, I still enjoy it as much or more the next time, every single time I watch it, and that's really rare of anything, let alone horror movies, for me yeah. at least. So, uh, any final sentiments, gentlemen? I think we are closing the door. 
on the cabin <laughs> in the woods then. Give us your best creaky door creaky door closing sound effect, Josh. I, I'll find one online <laughs> on that website that I got the other effects from. It'll be I I just embarrass myself. Is it spooky sounds.biz? No, but I did look for that one. <laughs> oh, I guess I, I don't know if it really matters. That's I mean it's a free domain, but I'll give credit. Uh the sound effects that we pulled for a bunch of this stuff uh today I found on soundbible.com. Yeah, so you know, if you've made it this far through the episode, you've you've heard the cold open. We Josh took took the mantle for the cold open, so he put some production value behind the cold open. So if you've gotten this far, you've obviously listened to that. Let us know in the comments for the episode if you're listening this far to the episode to even get this prompt to leave comments. But let us know what you think. If it's something you enjoyed, uh, feedback for it would be nice. What you thought. Um, if if you enjoy it, we'll make Josh do another one for some future episode somewhere down the line. I thought you were gonna give yourself more work for every future no, no, episode. No, no. This is, we're outsourcing this to Josh now. This is this is this is his baby. I will help when needed, but he did a he pretty he did a pretty damn good job for this one. I I enjoyed it. You guys haven't heard it, but I have heard it. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, all right, well, I guess with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five star rating and review. Uh, give us a share on social media. You can follow, subscribe with us there. Uh, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, hopefully anywhere that podcasts are found, you will be able to find us. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and his super friends or go to facebook.com slash superfriends. You can leave us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BG Superfriends. Uh, try to email us, BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. It may or may not work. I can't. I, I've never checked it, to be sure. And on behalf of Josh, and Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Check your simpleholics.